to be here. Today is a special day because the trio is finally here. All three brothers, Sean Moore, the youngest, Darnell, the oldest, and me, Brian, the middle. The most interesting, I'd like to think. Sean, throw, throw something in there so I can see if your levels are moving. Definitely three different generations. Six years apart, but whole world of difference. Well, now that we got you, what's the story? What is it exactly you want to talk about? We had a, a topic, right? I say, well, let's talk about why he is not here with us. Yes. Why aren't you in Franklin You County? broke up the trio. Yes. You had a job. You had friends. I don't like to think that I broke up the trio. Um, I think all of us grew up with very similar backgrounds. Um, travel was essential to our lives. And I think you guys um, married women and settled down. So from where I'm standing, I'm still on the move. Right. You, you travel, but Our you come home, man. Yeah, you and travel, I'm home. you come home. But you, you are traveling to home. That's different than coming home. I, I disagree. I feel like home is always there, and um, everybody knows home is where you make it. <laughs> I know, I know. You like to see homos make it. <laughs> All I'm saying is, uh, you guys chose a life that was a little more grounded, and uh, I, I think. I really expected all of us were going to be traveling and not picking that life until we were well into our 50s or 60s. See, I think it's going to go the other way for us. Is in our 50s, which for me, you know, I mean, 50s like six years away. Knock, knock. Five years away. So it's close. But in my 50s, I think we're going to have a lot more freedom to travel. But are you going to have the energy to travel? Yes. Uh, yes. I have done a lot of traveling. And um, most recently, I did a boat trip. And the one thing I realized is people talk about the traveling they're going to do later until later comes and they are too tired to want to do any kind of follow through on. First off, you made a mistake on a boat because black people ain't supposed to be on boats. <laughs> There's a lot of black people on boats. Yes. Problem in the first place. That's trust now, more. Also, That's my wife, by the yes. way. The, the, also, come, I think the, the difference between us is uh, I'm not going anywhere unless I can afford to get back. And I'm at the point where age doesn't necessarily mean I don't want to. I just don't want to stay in shady places. <laughs> like, I like a comfortable hotel now with a breakfast that I'm willing to eat. And so, I got a few extra dollars. <laughs> so, I'm not going to stay at the Comfort Comfort Inn. I'm going to go to the regular Comfort Inn <laughs> where the doors slide. You know, you know how to use a key card to get to the bathroom. There's nothing wrong with that. I appreciate that. Especially as you gain wisdom, comfort is essential. But there's a part of youth that I believe makes being away from home more tolerable because it is uncomfortable a lot just being away from home. Well, do you think having kids has changed you? Because I don't feel like you travel like you used to. Where before, Sean would get up and go to Florida on a will and a hope. I would say... Uh, fatherhood changed travel less than married life. Uh, solo traveling allows you to go in the moment. Uh, considering another person changes that drastically, okay, especially yes. when that person say, is a planner. The, the Mandalorian like gets around with Baby Yoda. I don't think it is the baby that's the trouble. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? You might be right. Well... Is that the only thing that keeps you out of Franklin County? Like, 
you're, you still got a home base, you still got a house and a piece of land that anchors you in one place, but that house and that piece of land is not in Franklin County. So our question is, what would it take to get you back to Franklin County and unite the trio? I don't know that it's possible. Uh, I mean, I still would like to retire to Franklin County, and I think I'm as rooted to Franklin County as uh, any place I'll ever be. But um, con- just again, considering the family, I know my wife's attachment to her siblings is very strong. Um, even now, I want to move the family overseas. I want to join the Department of Defense education system. Mm-hmm. And though it's always been a dream of mine, considering the wife, I am doubtful that it will come in the time I would like it to. Hmm. So, Franklin County, I mean, I don't think it's off the table. So, getting your wife to move is about like trying to get me and Darnell to move out of Franklin County. Yes. Okay. You understand. Okay, yeah, I can see it. Hmm. All right, so we, we're stuck with you in Minnesota. That, that's your home base. Come back here for home. Is the activism that you're engaged in in Minnesota at, is all as deep as the activism you were engaged in when you were here with us? Now, that's one thing I will say. Having a child has changed. I feel like I was definitely more capable of being involved in the community. And I think that'll change as Mercury gets a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as my son gets to the point where I want to see him and show him civic engagement, I think I'll get more reengaged. But while he's just toddling around, we're just making it day to day. Yeah. Got to so be a father first. You haven't packed him up and taken him to any revolutionary meetings or, you know, had him sit in with you as you're getting carted off by police. None of that's <laughs> <laughs> on the on the radar for young Mercury. No, 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 that's on the radar for young Mercury. Um, that that event, that probate event you guys invited us to. I was glad to see that. I was glad to have Merc come out and see that. Uh, I think just from a cultural perspective. I was I was very glad uh, to be able to be at an event um, that was just a, a lot of love, a lot of people showing appreciation for some. I almost felt natural, like it's in your blood. <laughs> this was an Omega probate, by the way. Yes. And so, like, what? Three out of four. Three out of four men in the family are cues. Yes. So that purple and gold, you know, fits. Yeah. It's in your blood. It's in your DNA. But I, I do believe Uncle Gary. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great organization. It's a great organization. A lot of wonderful people who are a part of it. And uh, I am glad to show up at events and show my support because I love the engagement they have in the community. And uh, I love having my son be able to see just that genuine um, love, I think. Friendship. Yeah, the fraternal friendship that was being shared. But not for you. No, I don't know. Man, not everybody bleeds blue and purple and gold. <laughs> Oh, he's the color in there, though. Hmm. Freudian slip. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Still hope for a son. Still hope for the son. Yes. All right. So, do you think your son's going to um, feel as though we've missed out once he gets older? So, you think about, like, our parents' generation who were taken to some of these marches, who were out in the streets. You know, even Ruby Bridges as a child pushed into some of these childhood, childhood activism states. Do you think your son is going to feel as though he's missed out 
because he wasn't dragged to these political outings in the same with the same effort that you had prior. Like you, you're an old Black Panther as opposed to a Black Panther. Uh, that's hard to foretell. Um, I do believe my son is going to have a vastly different experience than myself. Uh, do you think that's because your wife is white? I would bring up uh, the biracial relationship. Um, I, I bring my wife home to a house filled with, uh, I would say, black representation in every corner. Strong black females and males. <laughs> Strong black representation. Strong black I, I representation. I haven't seen his art. It, it might be. <laughs> it may not be as strong as we hope. I haven't seen it. What, what kind of art do you have up? Rainbows and unicorns and butterflies. How you been to our house? Oh my goodness. I'm saying you have art up. Uh, Black art? We got yes some natives no. on the wall. Nope. <laughs> some who? Indigenous? Indigenous. No, no, no. no, no. Some BIPOC? Nope. Like, no. Man. Black or white? All you gotta do stop by roses on the way there. <laughs> there's no people in the art on our walls like the more I think about it it's all scenes get you that rock and wear jumpsuit particularly pointed black art yeah um because I, mean, I don't when you think about it your son is I mean he's biracial but when somebody looks at him what are they gonna think well in Minnesota it is quite common now and I I don't know yeah. if I can say that in a positive or negative light. It just is what it is. There are a lot of biracial children coming up in Minnesota, and it's interesting because there is not necessarily a lot of diversity to precede that. So it feels like uh, whether it's young college students or folks who have floated through Minnesota have ended up with a generation of mixed children, um, but not necessarily a foundation of representation. Uh, I would also mixed children is it mostly white mothers and black fathers or yes yes I would say that that in terms of exposure I would think it would make a difference in terms of how each of the communities treats you do you do you feel that you're treated worse I am embraced but I think that comes from that military I would say by both in Minnesota. There are certain areas uh, that I'm not necessarily embraced, and that comes from both sides. Uh, I think Detroit comes to mind. I don't think I was black enough to be in Detroit or perceived black enough. Um, But I like Minnesota is it's such a lack of diversity that it's not on their register. And so, like, I think coming home with my wife. And hearing it as a constant conversation is a bit of a culture shock. Like, am I? You or her? I would say for her. I feel like politics and race have always been a common conversation. But that is that. Her family is very diverse, also. So why? Her family is very diverse. How do you mean? Well, she has she has interracial siblings. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess nephews, nieces, and nephews. Uh, she does have a sister who uh, has five interracial children. But I guess that's kind but of that's what about you're it. At. And the fathers are not present, so. But those children are being raised by her Caucasian okay. siblings, right? 
Well, no. One of them is. Four of them are in uh, foster care. And one has been adopted by that foster care family. And they are a Caucasian couple. So, and that, again, I would say is pretty consistent with what you see in Minnesota. Okay, well, with your white in-laws, does race not come up? It is heavily avoided, I would say. I have one now brother-in-law. Is, now, is it avoided like because you're there? From the hip? No. I feel I, like if, there, if a question comes up, the weirdest thing, the only story I have, the brother-in-law who I feel really speaks whatever comes to his mind, uh, was hanging out with his white friends. I think a lot of Minnesotans have a lot of white, white friends. And he sent me a message asking to see the bottom of my feet because he thinks black people have white feet. That's that, racist. That was, but is it true? But is it true? That that was the curiosity among him not and his friends people. in the circle. I mean, not all black people. Yeah, I know, but... My like, roommate at school, that her feet looked like she'd be walking around in ash. Yeah, but how many of us does it equal to truth? Like, if it's 80%? But why would that come from conversation? I don't know. Racist stuff comes up all the time. <laughs> is, but, it, is it racist or is it curiosity? And I, I, guess I think a, I appreciate the question. I appreciate the question coming to me directly. Yeah. But was, my question is, if you weren't there, who were they going to ask? That's the make, concern. I think they would just make the assumption. That, that is the concern. And I feel like and that's the point of getting into spaces. I mean, the background I thought here is, we are talking about Minnesota. Uh, this is the land of Peanuts, Charles Schultz. And for those familiar, Franklin is the only black character. And that was a later adaptation. So Minnesota is very Caucasian. All right. But that was back in the 70s. I have a theory. So you, you were... It's very Caucasian, so you're around a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you I think. Oh. Look, I'm all into it. I, well, you got to get over here. Come on, you scoot up. I think uh, white people you. talk as much about race as black people do. But there are words they're more comfortable using. So in a lot of cases, the like Marxist really means black. Uh, communist really means black. So when they're talking about the problem with people... They won't say, well, the problem is black people want to take all our money. They'll say, the problem is Marxists mm-hmm. want to take all our money. Do you find that there are code words or dog whistles? I wouldn't say Marxist. I was a Democrat. Democrat. I would think that, uh, or liberal. That liberal. Yeah, I that, would say those, those are terms. more yeah, synonymous with uh, incorporating the black community. But no, I don't know that race is... Uh, Heavy conversation. Um, and Do they I, I have also, definitions for these terms? Yes. Like, have you figured, like, if you're like, oh, well, what is it, Marxist? Yeah. I think we, we've come to the conclusion that Marxist means black. Because there's no other other way to define it if, for them. You know, when you ask them, they don't know what Marxist, a Marxist is. Are you thinking back to conversations where you've heard them talk about Marxists? No. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minnesotans stay in Minnesota. It is hard to get into the circles of Minnesotans because they have friends from when they were in school. And most of these schools, they do not necessarily have teachers of color all the way through college. So, again, lack of diversity. But it's hard to feel like you can get into a point where you can feel comfortable having a conversation uh, about race. So I don't know that in their inner circles they have a lot of conversations about race. I don't feel like when I've been in circles... There have been a lot of conversations that are about race. They're um, being polite because you're there. I don't know that that's the case. I thought that 
two at first, but I don't think there's a comfort level in using the word race or the term black. So I think they th there's a belief amongst a lot of people that as soon as you say black, speaking about race makes you a racist. And so you'll speak about things that are associated with race because then you're not a racist. So it's not like black people are a problem because they're on welfare. It's because progressives are pushing welfare or the media is pushing some agenda. And even things like the media, which feels like it is, when they talk about the media or banks, they're really saying Jews. Like these things feel like the way that people are able to talk about races, race without talking about race. I guess in my mind, I don't think there's that level of intelligence in their thought. Like I think it might equate to uh, a certain population as being the largest demographic when they're saying these things. But I... I it I seems like they know the same amount of Marxists as they know black people. I, I don't know if I've heard anybody talk about Marxists. And that might be something locally. Is, is Marxism is, is, is kind of a big target here. Does that equate to socialism? Yes. Socialists okay. and Marxists. Or communism then? Communist, oh. socialists, and Marxists are the same in Franklin County. Okay. Not by definition. Mm-mm. I say they're pretty different. Um, oh, yeah. No. It's, they're almost, especially for like, you know, Marxists and communism would, would be two separate uh, things. Uh the only point of conversation uh, I've gotten into in Minnesota is uh, obviously Minnesota um, had the George Floyd incident happen. I mean, you all were ground there. zero. Things really blew up two years yeah, ago yeah. in line with COVID. Um, but even prior to that, I think there was a lot of buildup and tensions. Um, Minnesota has been um, getting a lot of immigration from uh, West Illinois, primarily Chicago. A lot of Chicagoans who are now the face of black in Minnesota. So that is what Minnesotans see as black. And it's not necessarily the best representation because it's a lot of folks who are leaving an area that is fraught with violence to get to a nicer area. But they are now the representation. And uh, but that feels like the history of being black is the people got to Detroit from Virginia and South Carolina escaping areas of violence and poverty <laughs> and may not have been the best representation when they showed up on these, these shores. Yeah, I agree. Is it a problem that we're dealing with 1960-style immigration amongst a black population that's supposed to call this country its own nation? And what do we it, do about that? It is obviously a problem. Um, a large part of that problem, I think, comes from lack of ownership. Um, I don't think what happened in Chicago, I think stems from not having a vested community. Uh, I can't say community cause there's a large, uh, black community, but I don't know how much ownership there is of the businesses within that community that are building wealth. So, and, and I, that goes back to the scary parts is I don't know how much ownership is allowed and racism like, I think people want racism to be, somebody says, like, the N-word. Like, oh, now I can identify him. He's racist. But racism is so hard to find. Like, I don't know if Hillcrest would not allow black people to buy houses there. I don't know if the realtors would have followed it. 
but I know it took an uncle from Alaska who was black to buy it on the internet before black family could move into Hillcrest. So we have been kept out of these places until the 15s, and even then only because nobody could see the person buying it. So if land ownership has kept us in poverty and racism has kept us out of land ownership, how do we approach this topic with people who don't like to talk about race? I mean, it's definitely a challenge, but because it is such a hot topic, I think we can essentially say what we need is help creating black businesses and support for black businesses. Like, I think we're at a point where we can actually ask for help because right now there's conversations happening on how do we be more multicultural, how do we be more accepting, uh, how do we admit internal biases. And so those are the conversations I've seen. Being in the school system, Minnesota's trying to get ahead of it. I was going to say, I feel bad for you. Like, we came in and we kind of put you on the spot on this one because if you've chosen to live in Minnesota and you're dealing with these things, how are you starting those conversations? Again, I got a son. I'm not having these conversations. What's I, he going to do? Was he going to inherit no dirt? I mean, if you want him to have land, it's got to be available for him to make those kind of purchases. Okay. Uh, in the 90s, there was riots in L.A., yeah? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of businesses were burned. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were owned by Asians. Right. They were businesses in not prominent areas. But they were prominent businesses still because they were trying to take the money from that community. Uh, It wasn't the best because they weren't necessarily putting the money back in that community, which is why they might have been targeted. But how come we are not able to at least have that dirt? I think there are two really good reasons and both of them go back to racism. Once there was a wave of Chinese immigration, the United States cut off immigration to Asian nations. And then we trickled in who we allowed in from these Asian nations. So we brought in people who already had some family wealth, who already had some family ties to the country. And so we've got people who have some educational history coming in who are able to get a hold of it. Then we allowed Asian folks to have access to loans that we didn't let black people have access to. Would you say but that's a kid? We redlined them still. So they had access to a loan that you couldn't get if you were black. But you could only purchase a business in a black neighborhood. So they created this area where you've got more educated and wealthier Asians relegated to black and poor neighborhoods. And so right, right off the bat, there's, there's a, you know, a non-symbiance that, that's working there. But there's a racist overtone to all of it. Would you say that's akin to uh, the immigration of Africans? And I mean, like you know, Africans that have come later mm-hmm. day with higher education, like they're able to escape or able to have opportunities in America um, with already higher educations, but I don't necessarily see them running businesses in these areas either. When they, I think when they get out, they do. But I think you're saying exactly the same thing. It requires an escape. Many of the African nations are colonialized. So even escaping from those colonialized Selected. nations requires getting their own countries to allow them visas and ability to fly out. So again, the Africans that end up here are the Africans that are best educated, best financed, who have you know the most support in, in terms of getting over here. 
and then you put them in with just like me, <laughs> who's not the best educated, the best financed, the best support, and you wonder, well, why is he doing so well and you're not? That's because I'm just Joe. You know, this is like the head of the class from, from Africa. Now, now, is there any correlation between, uh, I guess, those Africans coming here and, and working at HBCUs? Because... You know, representation. I, I don't think it's any more... There was just a wave of African and Asian math, mm-hmm. science professors. And I think a lot of that had to do with because we were snatching the best from these other countries mm-hmm. and we were putting them in places we didn't enjoy studying. But they knew math was an escape. If I'm the highest math you know, person in my school, they're going to let me into the university. If they let me into the university, I can go study in the United States. And so there's, there's still a lot of racism and a lot of this is built on skin tone is the darker you are, the more difficult it is going to be to be allowed into spaces. And does, is, is, is that a benefit for your son? Uh, I mean, a son of mixed race, definitely not going to fall into the harshest realm of that if you're saying the darker you are. So, I mean, I guess I'd have to admit already he is reaping the benefits. Uh, he is considered adorable with his big curly hair and his light brown eyes. So, yeah, nappy baby's got it tough. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I. No, it is getting better because we're figuring out how to like comb things. You don't have to go to a school smelling like sulfur eight. <laughs> they got products that smell like mango and things. Unless you nice. have a very dominant female. Uh, the black female right now is crushing it, right? I mean, I feel like at some point in the last 10 years, they were graduating uh, with graduate degrees more than any other demographic group, percentage-wise. It's, it's a tough metric, though, to call it crushing. I mean, we're talking 60 years. We weren't letting women into institutions of education. You know, 80 years prior to that, I mean, almost a full-out ban. We found out recently that, like, Virginia State, which is a land-grant college from the, what, uh, late 1800s, 1882, first institution in Virginia that had a female graduate, is we just haven't allowed women into spaces. So the fact that they're flourishing is only because we've pulled the blocks off. It's, you know, where would they have been if we'd allowed them to have, have started businesses in the 1800s? Where would America be? So I don't, I don't know that they're flourishing as much as they're just needing the potential they would have had in the first place. In your mind, where does that suppression come from? Because women, in my mind, are the only demographic that are a majority. Like, there's more women majority, than there are men. Majority, uh, not a majority in the workforce. No, that's my point. Like, I, they, most they married still- men will joke that they will do what their wives ask of them. Women are a larger number representation in the world, and yet somehow they are a subordinate. And I don't know if that comes from religion or like something in society has created something that I don't understand. And the beauty is we're at 27 minutes, gentlemen. 
So this should be about the end of the conversation. We've got this beautiful lead in on what can be the next conversation is how in the world did a female majority on this earth become a minority in terms of representation, in terms of what do you guys, what are some other things that we? I would just say an appreciation. I mean, they bring life into this world and I believe prior to Christianity, we prayed to a mother goddess. So at some point, when we started looking to our father, our heavenly father, things turned a corner. Oh, you're going to take a religious oh, turn wow. on us. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Interested to go into the next conversation. Yeah, I think we need to. Well, we're gonna have... the first thing to do is just go ahead and close this episode out and say, thanks for listening. This is Misunderstood. Tune in next time for our take on women. Oh, wow. <laughs>